Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. In a moment, a brief word from our sponsors, but we're going to play our episode of The Private Files of Rex Saunders and I will actually expect to be the last in the series. The original air date, August the 1st of 1951, and the title is When They uh, Track Down the Human Game. Rex Harrison stars in another intriguing adventure transcribed from the private files of Rex Saunders. Hunting. Ordinarily, a game for sportsmen in which the rules are respected. But thieves have no rules except to kill when they track down the human game. And now, the private files of Rex Thunder. RCA Victor, world leader in radio, first in recorded music, and first in television, brings you the celebrated star of stage and screen, Rex Harrison, in another exciting story taken from the private files of Rex Saunders, radio's newest man of mystery. We hope you enjoy these weekly stories of intrigue and adventure, and for another adventure in home entertainment, we suggest you try RCA Victor's fine line of radio and television products, now on display at your RCA Victor dealer. Now for our story. I was alone aboard the transcontinental train headed for New York and home. It was on the second day of the trip, about 10.30 in the evening. I'd just returned from the club car. I opened the door to my compartment and stepped in. The air in the room was heavy with the odor of freshly smoked tobacco. And then I noticed my traveling bag on the seat, opened and disarranged. Suddenly the compartment door slammed shut. But it wasn't I who'd closed it. Thanks for the use of the hall. I turned quickly. The swarthy-faced man with a sly smile stood with his back pressed against the door. His right hand had a firm grip on the blue steel of the automatic, and the blue steel automatic had a firm sight on my midsection. Nice for the duds. He was wearing one of my suits. Nice suit. Good tailoring. I'm glad you like it. Of course, it's a little tight in the shoulders for you. Why don't you try one of the others? It might Uh -uh. be... Don't move. You'll do just as I tell you, and everything's going to be okay. I don't suppose a question or two would be in order. What kind of question? Well, for example, uh, what are you doing here, and uh, why did you get into my suit? I'm crazy for style. Just crazy for it. Any more questions? No, no more questions. Someone's at the door. You keep your traps shut. You do what I tell you. Try any fast ones and you get a goodbye kiss, understand? Vividly. Open! Open up in there! Okay, open the door. Remember, you didn't see anybody. Nobody. 
I'll be right behind the door with the shooter pointed at your head. Now go ahead, open it. Yes? What is it? Everything okay in your compartment? Oh, yes, everything's just fine. Oh, then I guess you haven't seen him either. Him? Who are you talking about? Are you looking for someone in particular? Yeah, very particular. My name is Macon. Bert Macon, Detective First Grade. Oh, police. Yeah, Chicago Homicide. I'm after Nick Lopez. For six months I've followed his trail, then I finally track him to Frisco. I was bringing him back to Chicago on this train. He pulls a sick act. When I go to help him, he plants one on me and gets away with my gun. I'm covering every inch of this train from the engine on back. Lopez is aboard someplace, and he's not getting away from me again. I judge, Macon, from the way you talk, this Lopez is a dangerous criminal. More than dangerous. He's crazy. He's a wild, crazy killer. I was bringing him back to Chicago to face a murder rap. Murder? And now he's uh, loose on this train. Yeah. Looks like there's only one way to stop him. Kill him on the spot. Well, I'd better get going. Now get over there and sit down where I can keep a good eye on you. So you're Nick Lopez. Get your clothes off. What? You heard me. Get them off. Then you're going to get dressed again. In this suit. Mine. Your suit? You're going to wear it. I'm getting out of this and you're going to help me. And uh, just how do you expect to escape? You heard what the man said. There's only one way to stop me, kill me on the spot, shoot me down. Only now, when the shooting comes, you're going to be me. At gunpoint, Nick Lopez forced me to dress in his clothes. And then we sat in my compartment. At least an hour went by before he spoke. And then all he said was, Okay, let's go. He slipped the gun into his pocket and we went out. He had me walk down the train corridor a step ahead of him. Fortunately, Macon was nowhere in sight. So far, my luck was good. But I wasn't fooling myself. I knew it couldn't hold out. He reached the door that led out to the platform between the cars. All right, out on the platform. Okay, right here. Hold up. What's the idea, Lopez? What happens here? I got a little surprise for you. You'll see in a couple of minutes. In the semi-darkness, I saw Lopez refer to his watch once again. I didn't know what to expect. And then I noticed that gradually the speed of the train was being cut down. We were rounding a sharp turn. This is it, Shadowbox. Open the outside door. What? Come on, do what I tell you. Open that door. I stood in the open doorway facing a blue-black night. Then Lopez spoke again, just once more. This is the surprise. My fortune wasn't as bad as I'd expected. The train tracks had been mounted on a long, sloping, soft, dirt incline. When I fell from the train, I hit the hill with my shoulders and rolled head over heels to the bottom. I was battered, bruised, and shaken, but I was alive. The dizziness faded from my brain. I looked around to get my bearings. About a hundred yards ahead, through the brush and trees, I saw lights intermittently cutting through the night. That would be a highway. I started to make my way through the dense brush to the road. I hadn't gotten far, and my seemingly good luck took an unexpected turn for the worst. The lead of the bullet ripped into my shoulder. I dropped to the ground just in time. The second shot came. I lay there on the ground. 
pain in my shoulder burned with a fierce white heat. And then, from a short distance off, I heard a movement in the brush. It came nearer and nearer. I lay there and waited. In a moment, the thicket at my feet was pushed aside. I could make him out standing there, looking down at me. A large man in his hand, I saw the revolver. I heard the sharp click of the gun cylinder as it turned. I gathered my ebbing strength and set myself. As he bent towards me to take aim, I kicked out with all my might. Oh! My feet connected and the man with the gun folded in half and fell back into the thicket in a motionless heap. I pulled myself up. Started for the road again. Pain in my shoulder fanned out and seemed to touch every nerve and muscle in my body. I stumbled and fell to the ground. I tried to pick myself up again, but this time, no go. There wasn't that much strength left. No use fighting it any longer, so I, I gave in to the pain and the darkness. opened, my nostrils took in the soft, sweet smell of perfume. The odor was my first touch with consciousness. Her voice was the second. How do you feel now? I opened my eyes. Feel better? Well, I'm alive. Or am I wrong? Is this a dream? You're very much alive. The doctor said you'll be fine by tomorrow. Doctor? Mm-hmm. He left an hour ago. You lost quite a bit of blood, but outside of that, you're all right. I see. Now, you just stay right there on the couch and rest. I know this is going to sound old hat, but uh, just where am I? My apartment. Your apartment? And uh, who are you? But do, don't you know? I'm afraid I don't. I never saw you before in my life. But he told you about me, didn't he? Look, really, I've no idea what you're talking about. How did I get here? I took you in my car. You were in the brush? Yes, I was waiting. I heard the shots, and then I found you. What about the man who was out to kill me? Who was he? Oh, well, I don't know. I didn't see him. I got you out of there as fast as I could. You make it seem as if you're, you were expecting me. I wasn't expecting you. But after I looked you over, I knew that he sent you in his place. It was arranged, though, that... Now, wait, wait, wait a minute. You said you knew he sent me in his place. Yes, that's right. Uh, are you talking about Nick Lopez? Yes, I'm talking about Nick. You were wearing his suit. That's how I knew what have you got to do with Nick Lopez? Oh, you don't remember. Nick must have told you about me. Now, don't stop that remembering business again. Answer my question. What is the connection between you and Lopez? It was all planned. I was to try to help Nick to escape. My name is Kitty Lopez. I'm Nick's wife. The radio you're listening to this minute can now be converted to a modern, up-to-date radio phonograph. For as little as $12.95, you can buy the RCA Victor 45 attachment and play it through your present radio, phonograph, or television set. Think of what that means. Now you can enjoy the music you want when you want it. Now you can enjoy it at its very best with RCA Victor's new system of recorded music, the 45 attachment. Combine the two. Your radio and the Victrola 45 record changer. You'll find the 45 equals the finest recorded music you've ever heard at the lowest possible price. 
With this neat, compact little instrument, you can enjoy over an hour of music at the touch of a button. Music brilliantly reproduced on handy, non-breakable seven-inch records. So make your radio an amazing new radio phonograph. Tomorrow, buy the remarkable RCA Victor 45 attachment. the sedative the doctor had given me, I had Mrs. Lopez bring me a basin of water. For several minutes, I doused my face in the cold, fresh liquid, and the feeling of sleepiness began to slip away. How about some black coffee? That might help. No, this is fine. I'm all right now. I'm wide awake and eager to hear your story, Mrs. Lopez. Well, Mr. Saunders, it's just as I started to tell you. I was trying to help Nick escape. I was with him when the Chicago policeman closed in on Nick in San Francisco. He said that I was to check on the train, which was to take him back to Chicago. He told me that he'd managed to get away from the policeman on the train and jump off just before the train pulled into St. Paul. There's a sharp curve about ten miles out where the train has to slow down. Yes, that's where I went off the train. But there must have been some reason for him sending you in his place. He didn't just send me, Mrs. Lopez, I told you. He pushed me off that train with intent to kill. Oh, no, you're wrong. Nick wouldn't do a thing like that. Oh, now, really. After all, your husband is already wanted in Chicago for one murder. You've got him wrong. They've all got Nick wrong. He didn't kill Fred Gilmer. Nick didn't do it. I know he didn't. You seem to know a great deal about it. I know everything. And I know that Nick didn't kill Gilmer. Nick hated him, but he didn't kill him. You've got to believe that. You might help me understand matters a little better if you'd give me the details surrounding the murder. Well, Nick, Fred Gilmer, and George Stone started a trucking business five years ago. They have a run between St. Paul here and Chicago. Nick and George Stone always got along fine, but Fred was always trying to stir up trouble. He was always trying to get George to help him push Nick out of the business. Fred handled the business at the Chicago end of the run. He tried to pull a real dirty deal on Nick two months ago. When Nick found out, he went to Chicago to have it out with him. And murdered Gilmer. No, I tell you, he didn't. Well, the Chicago police seem to have evidence to the contrary. I don't care what they have. Nick didn't shoot Fred. Someone else did. Who? I don't know. But your husband does? I think so. He wouldn't say, but I think so. Oh, pardon me. Hello? Oh, yes, he's here. Just a moment. Mr. Saunders, it's for you. It's that call you put into New York. They're ready now. Thank you. Hello, Alec. Hello, Rick. I'm calling from St. Paul. Yes, the operator told me. I thought you were on the train. What are you doing there? I was temporarily sidetracked. What's up? An unexpected case came up. Now, listen carefully, Alec. I'm going to give you some details. I want you to fly out here. Take the first plane available. But you're not to come direct to St. Paul. What? I want you to stop over in Chicago and do some checking for me. Now, listen to what I tell you. Go ahead, Rex. I'm... Alec? Hello? Alec? Alec? Mrs. Lopez. Yes, what is it? I think your wire's been cut. Someone knows I'm here and using your phone. But how? Just a minute. What are you going to do? Have a look out of this window over here. Mrs. Lopez, come here. Look over there, across the street. That man. Mr. Saunders. Do you recognize him? Yes, I do. It's Harry Gilmer, Fred's brother. I recognize him, too. But how could you have seen him before? He was the one who shot at me tonight. He was the one who tried to kill me after I was pushed off that train. Mrs. Lopez, get out. (laughs) 
Danny Gilmer, the murdered man's brother, and the man who tried to kill me once, failed in a second attempt on my life. I didn't intend to give him any further opportunity. Alec arrived in St. Paul the following morning. That afternoon, I went to George Stone, the man who I thought could give me the best lead to Harry Gilmer's whereabouts. Stone, you remember, was the third man in the trucking partnership. Well, Mr. Saunders, they certainly put you through the ringer, didn't they? I thought perhaps you might uh, help me locate Harry Gilmer. I'd like to help you, but I haven't seen Harry since his brother Fred was buried. I didn't even know he was in town. Harry lives in Chicago. You know, one thing gets me, though. What's that? Why should Harry try to kill you? Well, that, Mr. Stone, should be fairly obvious. Well, it's not to me. Well, Nick Lopez and I have about the same build. I was wearing his clothes. He thought I was Lopez. He was out to avenge his brother's death. Oh, now I get it. Harry must have followed Kitty last night. In the dark, he thought you were Lopez. That's it. Do you think Nick is uh, guilty of killing Fred Gilmer? I don't know. Mrs. Lopez certainly didn't. She's his wife. She's crazy about the guy. Excuse me. Hello. Mrs. Georgetown. What? When? Yes, all right, Inspector. I'll be right down. Well, Mr. Saunders, you don't have to worry about Harry Gilmer anymore. The police have him? Yes, they have him. In the morgue. They found him in an alley on the east side of town. Shot to death. I left Stone's office and walked across the street to Alec and to the car I'd hired. All right, Alec. Turn around and head downtown. Right. Alec, I said, turn around. You're going straight ahead. He's going the way I ordered. Make him. You remember me, huh? I certainly do. I was looking forward to this meeting. Me too. Alec, this is Detective Bert Macon of the Chicago Police. The police? Really? Really. All right, you two. Cut the act. Where's Lopez hiding out? I wish I knew. I'd tell you gladly. Sure, sure. Now, apparently, Macon didn't believe you. That, Alec, is quite understandable. Macon isn't aware of the fact that he and I are in the same line of business. wise guy, I told you to cut the double talk. He's still uncertain. He won't be after I show him my credentials. And then, Alec, all three of us are going to work on a plan that I thought out to capture the missing Nick Lopez. The plan that I'd thought out involved a wiretap on Kitty Lopez's telephone line. If Nick was in town, it was a good bet that he'd try to get in touch with his wife. We spent the better part of the day and evening in the basement of the apartment house. And then, at a quarter to twelve, there was a ring. Her line's ringing, Macon. Thank you. 
taken up our station in a darkened hallway across the street from the warehouse. At 12.28, a taxi turned into the street and pulled to a stop midway in the block. From our vantage point, we saw Mrs. Lopez get out of the cab. Then the car went on to disappear into the night. There she goes. She's starting to walk, just as he told her to. Hold it. What is it, Saunders? Up the block. Coming out of the shadows. The man. Yeah. A man named Lopez. We watched Lopez come along the sidewalk. And then he stepped off the curb and started across the gutter. We followed it every move with eager eyes. So eager that we neglected to notice the speeding auto that came tearing through the night. The car that bore down on Lopez before he got halfway across that street. <laughs> Back to the climax of our story in a moment. RCA Victor is world leader in radio, and with good reason. For greater power, better tone, and volume, RCA Victor table radios are the best you can buy. And you'll find a wide selection of models to choose from. The right radio for any room in the house, bedroom, kitchen, or den. Each one brings added depth and brilliance to your listening. Beautifully balanced tone floats from the golden throat. The exact balance of the electronic amplifier system, the loudspeaker, the cabinet. And only with this precise coordination can you enjoy tone as you've never heard before. Yes, RCA Victor table radios sound better, and they look better. Every single one has the superb styling you'd expect to find in America's finest radios. Yet you'll discover that they're priced to fit even the most modest budget. It's a combination that can't be equaled. Performance, beauty, Low cost. It's a combination you'll find only in RCA Victor. Mrs. Lopez, Megan. I took her home. One of the neighbors is looking after her. What about Lopez? The doctors are working on him. Working on him? I thought he was dead. It looked that way. Too bad an accident had to interfere with justice. I don't think it was an accident. What are you getting at, Saunders? I'm convinced that Mrs. Lopez was right. Her husband escaped from you to prove his innocence. That's why he returned here to St. Paul. That car made a deliberate attempt to kill him. Could close his mouth forever. Luckily, that attempt failed. Now, perhaps when he's well enough, we'll hear the full story from Nick's own lips. Hello? Mankin, is Mr. Saunders there? No, Alec, I haven't heard from him all day. I can't locate him anywhere. I've been trying all over. It's very important about Nick Lopez. Lopez, what about him? Gone. What are you talking about? When the nurse returned to his room at the hospital, he wasn't there. You're late. Sorry, Mr. Stone. I had trouble with my car. All right, all right. Come on in. I hear it came off okay. Like clockwork. The boy's got him out of the hospital with no trouble at all. Where is he? 
Over there on the cot. Oh, yeah. Done up like a mummy. And that's just what he's going to be when we get through with him tonight. A mummy. Oh, by the way, you uh, two haven't met, have you? I only saw the lady from a distance on River Street the other night. Kitty, I want you to meet Carl Evans. He's the one who played the part of the Chicago cop, Macon? Uh-huh. I'm the copper. I hear you did a good job. <laughs> he certainly did. He had Rex Saunders fool. Well, uh, if you like the job so much, Mr. Stone, uh, I won't feel hurt if you toss a couple extra bucks my way. Say, that's right. Tonight is the payoff, isn't it? Uh-huh. Okay, Carl. Then I'll give you yours right now. What's the idea of the gun? What's the usual idea of a gun? Say... Your job is finished. I don't need you any longer. You finished just like Harry Gilmer was finished. Saunders was too close to him, too. I don't want to take chances. After all, we went through a lot of trouble so I could get complete control of the company... Wasn't easy to frame Nick for the murder of our partner, Fred Gilmer, and then consider the planning I spent on you to bring Lopez back from San Francisco. And then Kitty telling Nick to make a break for it when the train slowed down at the curve. Very smart. Too bad it didn't work. We'll talk about all this later, Kitty. Just now, I'd rather take care of first matters first. All right, Megan. Face the wall. That will be necessary oh, now. What? Saunders. You've a good memory for voices, Stone. Wasn't Nick who got out of the hospital? It was Sanders. All bandaged up so we wouldn't know. And he's been on that cot listening to everything we've said. That's right. And the deception got the desired results. Nick was killed by that auto just as Stone there planned. But for the sake of my case, I kept him alive. You see, Stone, your bogus detective here gave me cause for suspicion when I checked with the Chicago police and found that there was no man named Macon assigned to the case. Oh, by the way, I enjoyed the conversation you three had. You, uh, may have enjoyed it, Saunders, but you're not going to be able to repeat it. Allow me to apologize for another intrusion on your privacy, but if you'll turn around, you'll see that Alec is here with us, too, and he also has a gun. Which I will use at the slightest provocation. Stone, a few moments back, you were discussing plans for dealing with people. They were quite elaborate. The state has completely different plans, especially where people like you three are involved. The state's plans are simple and direct. They lead right to the death house. In a moment, Rex Harrison will return to tell you about next week's story. First, an invitation from RCA Victor. Next chance you get... Drop into your dealers and look over the wide variety of RCA Victor home instruments designed to bring you the very finest in home entertainment. We know you'll find just the right instrument for family fun at a price that will fit your family budget. Fine instruments with world-famous RCA Victor quality built into every feature and detail. See them tomorrow at your RCA Victor dealer. And now, here is Rex Harrison, internationally famous star of stage and screen, to tell you about next week's adventure, taken from the private files of Rex Next week, it's concerning Shakespeare. Concerning Shakespeare. There are those with dark and brooding minds who find him useful because, after all, Shakespeare did have a way with murder. (laughs) 
have been listening to another intriguing adventure transcribed from the private files of Rex Saunders, written by Ed Adamson. In the cast were Leon Janney as Alex and Leslie Woods as Kitty. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. This is Kenneth Banghart speaking for RCA Victor. This is Andrew from otrwesterns.com. I wanted to invite you to come take a look at our site where we put out podcasts of old-time radio westerns. Check us out at otrwesterns.com. You're listening to The Great Detectives of Old-Time Radio with Adam Graham. Now let's get back into the show. Welcome back. Well, a new high in uh, creativity for the the private files of Rex Saunders, as we see Rex get involved in a case in which a beautiful woman coming to him for help wasn't the inciting incident. At the end of the episode, you really do get an example of how quick decisions were made uh, during the golden age of radio. The program that was announced for August the 8th may even have been written, but it was never aired. When radio listeners uh, tune their dials in, uh, on August the 8th, they heard uh, Meredith uh, Wilson's uh, music show at home with Meredith Wilson, which, uh, as an aside, I wish there were episodes available because I'm a huge uh, Meredith Wilson fan. But this really does illustrate how quickly programming uh, decisions were being made in radio when you get into uh, even the early parts of the 1950s because they were clearly expecting to be back the next week. Now, we don't know if this was a decision made by NBC or if it was made by Mr. Harrison. Glenn Ford, who starred in The Adventures of Christopher London, uh, the previous year actually voluntarily ended his series so that he could focus on his film career. It was becoming apparent by this time uh, to many of the uh, A-list stars and rising stars that there was not a whole lot of money to be had in radio uh, relative to what could be earned uh, in movies and in the emerging uh, arena of television. Of course, this could also have been an NBC state uh, decision based on ratings. Uh, Meredith Wilson would be pretty easy to get for a program as he was uh, already under contract with them for The Big Show. So to do a short summer series until they could... Uh, find a uh, permanent uh, show to fill the spot would not be difficult at all for him. It is worth noting that in 1952, there was a uh, similarly named series that came out called The Private Files of Matthew Bell. This series starred Joseph Cotton, who was a well-known and long-time associate of Orson Welles, and can be heard in many Mercury Theater plays. We just assume that it's derivative just because of the use of private files. Uh, unlike adventures or mysteries, it, it does tend to be uh, something that's uh, kind of unique. But we have no transcriptions in existence, so we're just kind of guessing on that point. All right, well, that will actually do it for now. And uh, we'll be back next Tuesday with Hollywood Mystery Time, which we'll be playing for just two weeks. 
And then join us back here tomorrow for Richard Diamond. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Radio Detectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.